We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Good, man. I have missed you guys. Whew. I'm glad to be back, man. I'm glad to be back. I am um, so grateful uh, to be here. If you're new, welcome to the family. Like Josh said, uh, man, we're so glad to have you. And if you, I, I know last service I met some people that were new as of the, like the last few weeks. And so they're like, I don't even know who this Petey guy is. My name's Petey. I'm the lead pastor here. And I would love to get to meet you. My wife, Brittany, and I will be out in the lobby after service. So please, please, please. Uh, come say hey. But man, I, I've, I've been out for a few weeks um, on something that's called a study break. It's something that my, uh, our, um, our elders, the, the overseers of our church, uh, give this to me every year just as a way to stay in the game, uh, a way to stay refreshed. It's just a time for me to peel away from the life of the church, uh, to hear from God, to study, to be filled back up, and just to take a breather. Because real talk, your boy runs out of things to say. All right, the, the human heart was not created to say as much, represent as much, and be in front of people as much as pastors are. That's why we see such burnout. That's why we see uh, uh, such, such depression um, among pastors. And so uh, I'm just so grateful that you guys are cool with me doing that. You know, it was, it was, it was, to me it was really encouraging uh, this year on study break. Um, you know, like when I first got here, uh, I, I was three or four years ago, and I started doing study break, um, I had some weird comments from people. Uh, kind of like, wow, must be nice. And uh, those people are gone. <laughs> no, nah, it was just so cool, man. I got nothing but love from you guys. And I had so many people reaching out and saying, we're, we're praying for you. We're excited for you. And, and we'll be glad to have you back, but it's all good. And, and, and the thing I love the most about, like, yes, I received some things from God over study break, and I can't wait to share them with you, um, you know, this week and, and, and in the weeks to come. Um, But that's like secondary. What I'm most excited about with study break is I think what it does for the health of our church. Because you need to understand, um, in a a world where most churches are built around one pastor's personality, one pastor's preaching and teaching, um, it is great for me to peel away because we, I need to be reminded, we all need to be reminded, and our church needs to operate in a way that I am not the point. This church is not about me. This church is about Jesus. And here's the deal. When I was gone, y'all just kept going. There were preachers here from all over the country that came in and every single Sunday we had multiple people give their lives to Jesus and start following him, all right? The church just kept going. Y'all served the city. We had people serving in all these different pockets of our city and being the hands and feet of Jesus. The church just keeps going and that's how it's supposed to be. And so uh, I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being such an understanding, low drama, low key church that, uh, that wants me to stay in the game. Uh, our desire is to not just be your pastor for a few years. We want to lead uh, for a long time here, God willing. And so breaks like that uh, really help us do that. And I think it's good for all of us. Um, but one of the things I feel really convicted about, all right, uh, one of the things is that you're going to hear from me a lot in the weeks to come. And uh, it's something that God's been impressing on my heart over study break and, and even before that. But I, I feel like it's my responsibility uh, as your lead pastor to, to remind you and to uh, put language to what we are doing here every week, the vision of this church. And uh, I feel like it's just like burning in my bones that I want you guys to understand that when you come here on a Sunday, when I show up to preach, when our team shows up to lead, we are not playing church. I ain't here, you ain't here to feel some sort of religious duty or obligation. We are building something. 
And so what I did in partnership with the Holy Spirit over the past month is I put some words to what I feel like God is building here. And I just want to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you this week. I'm going to read it to you next week. I'm going to read it to you the week after that. I might read it to you for the next year before all of my sermons. I don't know. I'm going to see what God does with it. But I want to read it to you in my prayers that it inspires you to keep giving, to keep serving, to keep inviting, and to understand that we are building something special here. So let me read it to you. We are building a church where those who didn't grow up with faith meet Jesus for the first time and those who did grow up with faith meet Jesus like it's their first time again. We're building a church where destructive lies about God and ourselves are dismantled and we step into the truth that leads to freedom. We are building a church where the skeptic can belong before they believe where the one who doubts sits next to the one who praises because God is at work in them both. We are building a church where we make life-changing decisions because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is here and we will not let the word of God fall on deaf ears. We are building a church where we get raw about our struggles because pretending doesn't do anyone any good, where we passionately worship and serve Jesus because he's too good to keep to ourselves and where we make the gospel message clear because our world is desperately confused. We are building a church and we will preserve and pass on this mission to the next generation because the church is God's plan A to rescue the world. And friends, there is no plan B. Peak City, are you ready to keep building that kind of church? Okay. We ain't playing church. We're building something. We're building something. It's still in process. We're still in process. So let's keep building together. Grab your Bible and get to John chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, if you don't, it's all good. We'll have the words on the screen for you. My sermon title for you today, fresh off of study break, is the most cheery, bright, encouraging, positive, uplifting sermon title that I could possibly bring to you. My title today is When Progress is Pointless. when progress is pointless. One of the things I did when I was on study break is I, I took a lot of long walks, really long walks. Like I was like, you know, trying to like get my steps in. I'm like, I'm hitting like eight, 10, 12 miles a day, just walking, right, walking. And I was just walking with Jesus, walking with God. And here's the deal, that sounds really holy. That sounds really spiritual, like wow, pastor just walking with Jesus all day long. I need to confess to you in the spirit of being raw and transparent about who we really are. Uh, it, it actually wasn't as holy as it sounds. I had a reason I was taking these long walks. And the reason was I have found that when I'm walking, I can multitask. I can get a lot of stuff done when I'm getting my steps in. Okay, when I'm walking on the, on the trails of Colorado, I can pray to God. I can, I can hear from God. I can put my headphones in and worship God, all right? Um, I can listen to audiobooks and podcasts and I can study and receive from God and, and, and learn, right? I, I can do all of that. And I can also use my little voice memos and I can actually write sermons. I can speak ideas into my phone that will be recorded for me later on. Not only that, I can take phone calls. I can answer emails. I can do it all and I can burn some calories. It's about, it's about progress. It wasn't really about like, ooh, I just wanna be with God. It was like, I can walk and be with God and get my job done and get better, oh my gosh. I can do it all while I'm walking, right? Because one of the things that God revealed to me over the past month is that, and I need to confess it to you, hi, my name is Petey Kinder, 
And uh, I am a progressaholic. I'm a progress junkie, right? I need another hit. I love making progress. I love taking next steps. I love seeing growth. I want to go. I want to go. I'm a, I'm a progress junkie. And here's the deal. It ain't just me. I know I'm trying to be up here and be vulnerable and raw for you. But the reality is you are too. You're just as sick as I am. You're just as mad. See, I know it because Apple, Apple, Apple computers, they know what we need. They know how to make money. They know how to entice us. And if you've seen on iPhones and iPads, the latest little thing they're trying to get you to do are these things called focus modes. Have you seen focus modes? It's like, hey man, focus mode, here's what you do. You, you tell us what you're doing and we'll, we'll organize and align the right apps to maximize your productivity. Block out the distractions and make progress. You a progress junkie. You need another hit. You need more, you need more. It's not enough to just accomplish one day's worth of to-do list. You can maybe get ahead on the next day. You need more. You know, it's, it's so sick, it's even infiltrated schools. You know, when I was young, uh, 4.0 was the highest GPA you could achieve. And you psychos said, you know what? What if we could go higher? What if we could take it higher? What if we could start taking college classes while we're in high school and get a 4.2, 4.3, it's crazy. You a progress junkie. You keep going and keep going. So, so, so here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm walking on the Santa Fe Trail every day. I'm just like getting my steps in. I'm multitasking it all. And it's so good, man. I'm making so much progress, getting so many sermons planned. And then like I come, I, 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 I'm, uh, like, uh, come around this like turn and all of a sudden the mountains pop out. There's this amazing view, right? And so I took my phone out and took a picture of it. And man, like the cameras never do our mountains justice, you know? Like that's way bigger when you actually are there, but it's still beautiful. You got the meadow and the mountains and I'm like, man, this is even better. I'm, I'm getting all this stuff done, all this progress, all this stuff. And man, I can check another box, mental health, emotional health. A good view will do wonders for your soul. More progress, yay. <laughs> the Enneagram three in me is just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and then I turn from this point and literally if you just panned over to this way, the, 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 there's a bench. You can put that on the screen now. There's a bench and it's literally, I mean, that's the other side of the view. And so I'm sitting there and I see that bench and I'm telling you, I could feel God, I could hear God say to me. And when, for, for those of you that are new to faith, when, when someone says they hear God say, it's not an audible voice that we're hearing. It's something that's in your head. It's something that's in your heart. And you know, it's not from you, right? There's, 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 there's words, there's ideas, there's concepts that come up in your heart. And you're like, that is not from me. In that moment, I heard the voice of God in my heart and in my head. And he said, son, you are always striving, never ceasing. Sit down, enjoy the view, and let me teach you some things about progress. And so I sat down on that bench and I let God teach me some things about progress. And I wonder if maybe God is saying the same thing to you today. That maybe you've been grinding and hustling and, and trying to close the sales and trying to answer the emails and trying to keep up with everything. And, and, and you're so frantic and you're so busy. And, and I, I think God might be saying to your heart today, son, daughter, you're always striving, never ceasing. Why don't you sit down for a second and let me teach you some things about progress. Because the truth is, I know y'all. I know me, I know y'all. And what I am learning more and more is that the vast majority of us are on the hamster wheel. We are grinding, we are hustling, we are working, and it's never enough. Some of you in this room have experienced wild success, and yet 
you're not fulfilled. Some of you are on the opposite end and you haven't, you, 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 uh, you haven't um, uh, achieved that level yet that you desire. You haven't gotten that promotion yet. You haven't hit that, that follower count yet. You haven't built a business yet. And you think, you think that one day when you get there, it'll satisfy you. But most of us in the room can tell you that it's not actually how it works. Too many of us are making, we're making progress, but we're actually not enjoying it. There's no feeling of significance or importance to it. And so what I want to show you today from the historical account of the life of Jesus is how he reveals to us the moment when progress is pointless. I want you to know today so you can spot it, so you can see it in your life when you go, okay, ooh, there it is. Progress has become pointless. I want you to see it today. And my prayer is that you'll know how to course correct, that you'll know how to, how to, how to realign your heart and your soul so that God can flood your life with significance, so that God can overwhelm your life with meaning, so you can wake up every day. And it don't matter if what you do is actually all that important or not, you feel the presence of God with you. When progress is pointless. Ready to dig in? John chapter 12. Thank you. Verse 1. I'm so, I'm telling you, man, I'm so uh, passionate about what we're talking about today. Comma and, I saw, what God did with it, I saw what God did with it last service. We had seven or eight people that made first time decisions to follow Jesus, a whole room full of people that recommitted their hearts to God. And uh, I anticipate that God will move in the same way right now. John chapter 12, verse one, let's do it. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. If you remember in June, we were preaching through the resurrection of Lazarus. How when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, it was a big deal because Jesus resurrecting himself, yeah, yeah, he's God. When he resurrected one of us, that means there's hope for us. That means if we'll follow Jesus, he actually can conquer death. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, hold on to that, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, Mary, the sister of Martha, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, though. We get a little inside look into his heart. He said it because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now pause. It's a dinner party. Tons of people hanging out. The wine is flowing. The, the apps are coming out. Everybody's loving life. And Lazarus is just sitting there chilling. He's got an extra big pour on his wine because he just can't believe he's alive, right? It's like, keep the wine flowing. This is amazing. Martha is busy hosting. Like she's the one who's preparing everything. She's cooking the food. She's cleaning. She's making sure that, that um, all the guests are tended to and people are greeted and she's making sure seating is right. She's on it, right? She's on her grind. She's making a lot of progress, progress junkie, right? She's, she, 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 she's going. And it's all good. Everything's going great. And then Mary makes it weird. <laughs> Mary comes in with a bottle of perfume and it's not just like 
you know, any old perfume. This is worth a year's wages. You know, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of perfume in a bottle. And she, and she opens it up and she pours it on the feet of Jesus. And she wipes it up with her hair. The, the way you would treat a king, the way you would treat a God, which he was both. And, 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 and it got weird. Right? Everything was going good. The conversation was flowing. The food was there. The wine was choice. It's all good. And then Mary pours this out and it's this extravagant, lavish act of worship. And it certainly made people feel weird. It made people feel awkward. There's no way around it. It's so funny because like in a church like ours where, you know, we've got people who are far from God, people who are, who've been following God all their lives. We've got people who grew up in traditional churches or like real reserved. We've got people who grew up in charismatic backgrounds and like everything in between. So it never fails, you know, a couple times a year, a couple times a month sometimes. We'll have someone that's worshiping and we're, everybody's worshiping and someone will come to the front of the stage and they'll kneel because they're worshiping. Or, you know, a few months ago we had a guy that came and he laid down face down on the floor right here and worshiped. And it never fails in a church like ours where there's all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds all across the spiritual spectrum. When something like that happens, I always get like 20 people after service. They're like, did you see that? Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so weird. Like, I'm like, I, I get it. I, we're not used to like lavish expressions of love like that. However, separate from the sermon, let me just say, if that makes, if, if loving that lavishly and extravagantly makes you uncomfortable, as my wife would say oftentimes when church people complain about stuff, um, if, if lavish love like that makes you uncomfortable, heaven's going to suck for you. <laughs> because let me tell you, when you get a clear revelation of who God is and you see him face to face and you see how much he loves you, you see how good he is, how powerful he is, how generous he is, how amazing he is, how many people he has loved from, so, from, from, from such a deep place. When you see God for who he really is, you will fall down flat on your face and you will worship him. But that's not the only reason it was weird. That's a different sermon for a different day. That's not the only reason it was weird because she came and she pours this expensive perfume and everyone's backing up like, whoa, this is weird. But then all the leaders in the room, all the leaders in the room were like, uh, what is happening? And Judas, Judas gets a bad rap because he betrayed Jesus. And Judas gets a bad rap because we see in the text that his heart was impure. He was a thief, right? There, there, there are reasons. He's, he's earned the reputation well. But Judas just verbalized what every leader in the room was thinking. Here we have this perfume that's worth thousands of dollars. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. We could have made some progress. We could have started a ministry. We could have done something. We're like, what are we doing, Jesus? We can't waste resources like that. Let me tell you, as the leader of a nonprofit, as a leader of a church that's always scrapping for resources, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You know, people walk in here and they think we just like, because our building looks so nice and we got all this money, we ain't sitting on money. Like this thing don't happen if we don't give sacrificially. And, as, and, and man, when I see like, you know, it, let me put it like this. If one of you decided hypothetically to drop a million dollars on us, we would know how to use it. And I don't mean that like, ooh, the staff gets a bonus. No, you need to know the vision for what God has given us will always exceed the resources that come in. There is a plan in place for the resources that come in to reach as many people for Christ as possible in this city and in this country. The vision will always exceed the resourcing. 
So when you're ready to drop that million dollar check, holla at your boy. <laughs> but I get it, man. I get it. Like, that's a lot of money to leave on the table. We could do a lot with that. Progress. Progress. The insatiable appetite that we have for progress. And what does Jesus do? He defends this action. He defends it as honorable. He actually says, you know, it's funny if you read the same, the reason the, the, the reason the Bible's so reliable in this is that you can read the same account written in a few of the different gospels and all the details line up though they're written by different people. But there, there's another account of the same story where Jesus says that what, she, what, what Mary did right here would be talked about for generations to come. And here we are 2,000 years later still talking about it. Jesus defends it. And he says, leave her alone. She's done the right thing. She's done the right thing. And, and, and here's the deal. The thing that just burns and chides on the Enneagram 3 personality that wants to go, go, go and achieve. The problem is Mary acted like this before. Mary and Jesus had actually partnered together to prove this same point once before. This was not their first rodeo. If you go back to Luke chapter 10, in verse 39, we see almost the exact same situation, a dinner party that Martha and Mary are throwing. They've opened their home to bring Jesus in and bring a whole bunch of people in that need to hear his message of love and hope. And Martha is on her hustle, right? Martha's preparing, Martha's making every, all the food, like everything's, everything's happening because of her. She's hustling, she's grinding. And Mary is, Mary's doing what Mary does. If you look at verse 39, it says she had a sister called Mary. And while Martha's hustling, it says that she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, <clears throat> let me take you to a place you can understand what this would have felt like for Mary. If you're a parent in the room and you and your spouse, you put the kids to bed and you get to that sacred and holy time, which is children asleep. It's a holy time. Because my God, you can have a life again. And you put the, let, let me talk to, let me get specific, husbands. Y'all put the kids to bed and then you husband go downstairs and you're like, oh, is it? I'm about to lay on the couch. I'm about to turn on the show that my kids can't be watching, but I'm gonna watch it, right? And then you're sitting there on the couch and you hear the sound of your wife in the laundry room folding clothes. Or you hear the sound of your wife cleaning the kitchen and you realize the work is not done. Can I give you a pro marriage tip? Get off your butt and go help her. Okay, Mary's picking up on the vibes right now, right? She knows that Martha is not happy. Like the wife is like, please, you think it's done. You think because the kids went to bed, the, the, the war is over. Martha's feeling the same way. She's like, Mary, what are you doing? In fact, she says as much in the next verse. It says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations, all the progress, all the stuff that had to get done. And so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to, to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get up off her Middle Eastern butt and do some dishes. Tell her to get up off her Middle Eastern butt and come help me. She mad, she mad, mad. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. A lot of, a lot of things on your to-do list. There's a lot of progress you need to try to make. You're worried about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen the better, and it will not be taken from her. Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. There is much progress to take care of. There are many things to do. There are many things vying for your attention, and you are worried about them. But, but here's the deal, Martha. There are very few things needed. 
There are very few things that actually lead you to a meaningful existence. There are very few things that actually add significance. In fact, there's only one. And Mary has chosen the better. When is progress pointless? Jesus is trying to say it. Mary is trying to say it. So let's get to it. Progress is pointless when it takes priority over his presence. Progress, your to-do lists, the accomplishments, the things you feel called to, they will not matter. They will not carry the weights. They will not bring fulfillment and satisfaction. They will not bring joy. To Progress is pointless when it takes priority over his presence, over a deep abiding connection to the God who made you. When, when, prog when, when the to-do list is more important than the one who actually enabled you and gives you the energy to accomplish the to-do list, when, 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 when the list is more important than the one who actually gave you breath in your lungs, the, the progress actually won't fulfill you. When, when, when the work that you have to get to takes priority over the one who made you, it'll become pointless. There's no, let me say it like this, there's no amount of progress you could ever make that will fulfill your soul and satisfy you apart from God. And I know this, and you know this too, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an example right now, but you know it's true, you know it's true. When you look at people who are at the top of their field, the top of their game, the most successful people in the world, and I love you guys, y'all are great, I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about like the top of the top, the people who achieve it all, who have all the money, all the opportunity, they're at the top of their game. Isn't it funny how they always end up going through existential crisis? Tom Cruise, hello. What does he, what does he believe, huh? Oprah Winfrey, top of her game, more six, I mean, come on. Have you listened to what, some of the stuff she said she believes and what she's, uh-huh? It's like, I mean, even my boy Snoop Dogg, man, Snoop Dogg's changed religions like 12 times in the past decade. It's an existential crisis. Because when you achieve it all, when you get all the progress you could ever imagine and dream of, apart from God, it will not matter. Your progress will be pointless. It is God who gives meaning. It is God who gives significance. It is God who actually walks alongside you and makes mundane meaningful and makes uh, progress purposeful, right? Who makes what you think are important things really empowered things. It's God who adds it to your life. I love how Rick Warren says it. Rick Warren says, without God, you need to catch this. If you're far from God, if you're new to faith, I believe this one quote could actually lead you to a place to open your heart to him. Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance or hope. When progress takes priority over being connected to God in his presence, it, progress becomes pointless. And here's the deal, here's the deal. The devil knows how to convince you of this lie. The devil knows how to, how to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And he does not do it in the obvious blatant way. Okay? The devil is never going to try to convince you that a relationship with God that a connection with God, that spending time with God, he's not gonna to try to convince you that that would be a bad thing. Like, 
even if you're not a person of faith, you go, man, if there is a God, I would, I would like to know him. That would be great. The devil's not gonna be that, that blatant with it. How the devil subtly gets this into your life and steals, kills, and destroys your future is by convincing you not to devalue the presence of God, but to delay it. He'll convince you not to devalue, to delay it, to go progress first, presence second. If I can just get everything done, then I'll kick back and enjoy. If I can just make it to retirement, then I'll focus on my soul. If I can just get all the stuff done, then finally when the kids go to bed, then I'll pull out my Bible and spend time with God. Progress first, presence second. So let me take you to real life application. I'm trying to preach you a message you can use today. All right. I ain't trying to preach you a message that's like some ethereal thing that you don't really, I'm trying to give you a practical nuts and bolts message that will get you closer to God today. Okay. Let me take you back two days ago to Friday. Friday is usually my day off in ministry. We work Saturday to Wednesday, Saturday to Thursday. Friday is kind of your, your flex day in there, right? So Friday is here. And I've been like trying to get this. I'm, I'm trying to preach you guys something that I've already got in my soul. Right? I'm trying to preach you something I've already been doing. And so all during study break, I just felt God saying over and over. I'd, I'd wake up in the morning. I could hear it in my head. I could feel it in my heart that God was saying, seek me first. Seek me first. Don't worry about the sermons you got to write. Seek me first. Don't worry about the books you got to read. Seek me first. Seek me first. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to seek him first. And all study break, I feel like I did a pretty good job of that. Well, this past week, I get back into the grind of work, work, work. And I get to Friday, my day off. And I got big plans for my day off. I got big plans. I'm going to seek God first. And I'm going to do it in my favorite way to connect with God. I'm going to go to my garage and I'm going to smoke a cigar and I'm going to read the Bible. And it's going to be great. I know it's not the healthiest way to connect with God but it is my favorite way to connect with God. So I'm like, all right, here, it's gonna be great. Smoke a cigar in the garage with God. It's gonna be great. I wake up that morning and it's like immediately kids are crying about something. That's all right, that's all right, okay, that's all good. We can fix it. Then after that, it's like, oh crap, we forgot to mow the yard. The, yard, the yard's getting crazy, I gotta mow the yard. Then Brittany's gotta go run some errands. So I'm on dad duty, so the kids need something. It's all good, I got it. Then our dryer starts squealing. I gotta learn how to figure out how to fix a dryer. I don't know how to fix a dryer. I'm not handy trying to figure out how to fix a dryer and then kids need something in. These kids, the, the, the kids always need something, always. And then it's like, all right, fix the kids' lunch. And then after that, it's like, man, my, like, I got to research this phone because like we got a middle schooler. Like my son's about to be a middle schooler and we got to figure out a cell phone for him, but I'm nervous to give him a cell phone, but I'm also nervous to send him to middle school. And so, ah, so I'm like researching phones and then the kids need something again. And then, you know, bill, there's, there's, there's some bills we hadn't paid. And I'm like, oh man, I, mean, I should probably revisit, like revisit our family budget, make sure we're doing good on the budget. And before you know it, it's four o'clock, right? It's four o'clock. And so I go, seek me first, seek me first. I have not done it today, but I'm gonna do it right now. So I go out to the garage, four o'clock, got my cigar and my Bible. And sitting over on the side over there is my computer. And in my head, you know what I'm thinking? I'm about to spend time with God. I'm about to connect with God. I'm about to seek him first. I'm about to prioritize his presence over progress. You know what's in my head that whole time? Petey, you haven't preached in like four or five weeks. If you don't work on your sermon right now and start whittling that thing down and getting that thing in your heart, you could suck on Sunday. And it would be a bad thing to come back from study break and suck. That's like the, that like defeats the purpose. You're supposed to come back and be good. You can't suck on Sunday. So like, I can feel it. Like work is sucking me back in, you know? Progress first, 
presence second. It's how the devil subtly gets in there. He subtly gets in there and he draws you back into it. He draws you back into it. But here's the deal. If you want your progress to have significance, if you want your progress to have meaning and fulfillment and, and do in your soul what you hope, you hope that it'll do, you got to do what Mary did. And you got to be able to choose to block out the distractions and, and come before God and sit at his feet and, and to love him and to let him ask you the hard questions and to let him do the hard soul work. Like it's easier to pay attention to a to-do list than it is to do the hard soul work inside, right? You, you, gotta, you gotta do what Mary did. You gotta choose what, what she chose. And can I, just, can I just liberate all the like fellow progress junkies in the room for a second that are so worried about, but Petey, what about the to-do list? Like you don't know how demanding my job is. You don't know how big, how, how long my email list is that I haven't responded to. You don't know, you don't know, Petey. I gotta hustle, I gotta provide for my family. You don't know. Can I just relieve you and liberate you from your incessant need for progress by telling you what Jesus said? According to Jesus in John chapter 12, the potential for progress will always be there. It ain't going away. It'll always be there. How many of all about show of hands got suckered into buying something on Amazon Prime Day? Be honest, thank you. I know the rest of y'all are liars. <laughs> Jeff Bezos' bank account ain't lying. I know that Amazon guy knows your address better than you do. I about got suckered into an Amazon Prime deal. I was, um, I was on there, you know, it's like 60% off, 70% off. So I had this, I, I saw this, I, I've, 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 had, I've had my eyes on this thing called a jet boil. Does anybody know what a jet boil is? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, real, it's like a real bougie way to boil your water while you're camping so you can have coffee in like 30 seconds. That's all it is, okay? It's like, I can't, when I'm camping, I have so much to do. I'm a very busy camper, okay? I can't wait three minutes for my coffee. I need it in 30 seconds. So Jet Boil goes on sale. It actually wasn't Jet Boil. It was like a, it was like a knockoff brand Jet Boil because I want fast coffee when I'm camping. And I see it's like 70% off. So I'm texting all my buddies, hey, the off-brand Jet Boil is on sale. We got to get it. We got to get it. We got to go. And so I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the, to the company's website, the off-brand company's website, to just like, I don't know, look around, make sure the reviews are good. I don't know. I go to their website. It wasn't 70, it was 70% off of a price that Amazon had marked that sucker up to. They were selling it for the same price that the company sells it for every day. <laughs> Y'all got suckered. Amazon Prime Day is a, is a load of garbage. It's just another, like death, taxes, and Jeff Bezos making money. You can count on those three things in life. It's always going to be there. The Amazon deals are, they're, they're going to find ways to get your money. It, it'll be there every day. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> there ain't nothing special about Prime Day. It's always going to be there. You know, your potential to make progress in your life, it's going to be there tomorrow. Jesus said as much. If you go back to John chapter 12, verse 8, he says, you will always have the poor among you. Ooh, you didn't know that's about progress, did you? See, don't, don't read that and think that Jesus is like diminishing the importance of ministry to the poor. No, his whole ministry and life was serving the poor and marginalized. This is not a commentary on the poor. It's a commentary on progress. 
Judas said, we could have sold that perfume and given it to the poor. And Jesus said, you always going to have the poor among you. You always going to have an email to answer. You always going to have a, a, a sale to close. You're always going to have a house to clean. You're always going to have laundry to do. You're always going to have networking to do. You're always going to have the, the bills to pay. It's always going to be there. It ain't going away. It ain't going away. It's always going to be there. So let me equip you with the way to break free. Let me equip you with the way to, to overcome your progressaholism. Let, let me give you the phrase that you, that you will have to have if you're going to graduate uh, pro, uh, Progressaholics Anonymous. Like if you're going to get that little sobriety token from this, you're going to need this phrase. I want you to put it deep in your heart. I want you to write it on your, on your mirror. I want you to put it in your phone this week. I want you to stand up to your to-do list. I want you to stand up to the devil who's trying to keep you busy. You know, if the devil can't get you to sin, what does he do? He just keeps you busy. I want you this week, today, to stand up to your to-do list, to stand up to the devil. And I want you to say this, I'll get to it. But first, I'll get with God. I'll get to it. I know I got a lot of stuff to do. I know there's a lot of things. I know my kids are always needing more. Yeah, yeah, guess what? Put them in front of an iPad and give them some more screen time. It's going to be okay. They're all going to be messed up in the end anyways. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yes, I, I'm not going to ignore my God-given responsibilities in life. I'm not going to be a bad employee. I'm not going to not get the job done. I'm not going to, you know, uh, avoid my responsibility to, to, to provide for my family. No, 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 no. I'll get to it, devil. I'll get to it. But first I'll get with God. First I will worship. First I will pray. First I will wake up and tell God good morning. First I will go on a walk with God and let him tell me who I really am. First I'm gonna consult with God before I read the comments section and see what everybody else is saying about it. First I'm gonna get with God. First I'm gonna get to work and I'm gonna open my Bible and do my Peak City Bible reading. Before I answer an email, I'm getting with God. I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. The progress will always be there. It'll always be there. But first I'm gonna get with God. I'll get to it, but first I will get with God. So now go back to my garage for a second, okay? Go back to my garage. It's four o'clock. I got my Bible and my cigar on one side. I got my computer on the other side. And in my mind, got, y'all gotta know, I'm sitting there thinking, am I going to get up there on Sunday and tell them to do something that I was unwilling to do myself? And I really didn't want to suck today. I, re I really didn't want to come back from study break and not have something solid for you. And so I'm, I'm worried about it. But I'm telling you, I sat there and went, I'll get to it. The sermon, I'll get to it. If it's a little sloppy, it's a little sloppy. The, 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 the people that I need to connect with, man, I'm, I'm going to connect with them. Yeah. I'll get to it. The sermon, I'll get to it. But first, I'm going to light this cigar and I'm going to get with God and I'm going to read the Bible. And I did it, daggone it. It was the best thing I did all weekend. I received from my heavenly father affirmation, encouragement, conviction, rebuke. I received all the things that my soul needed. And guess what? I even received some things that I didn't even know I needed. And then the next day on Saturday, there were some things that got thrown my way that were actually directly tied to the things God had prepared me for the previous day. And if I had ignored that, if I had ignored God's presence on Friday, I'd have been demolished on Saturday. I'll get to it. But first I'm going to get with God. I'm going to reject the God of busyness in this generation. And I'm going to make sure that my soul is connected with God. And I don't know, I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know the, 
the bench on the trail that has the view. I don't know what it is for you. Some of y'all aren't cigar people. You ain't got to, come on, you ain't got to do that. Don't, don't do that. My recommendation is to not do this. Surgeon General's warning. General Surgeon's warning. But you need to figure out what it is for you and you need to get with God. If you're, if you're not sure about faith, you need to get with God and say, God, if you're not real, I want to know it. And if you are real, show me. I don't know how to read the Bible yet, but God, I'm going to try. I'll get to it. But first, I'm going to get with God. Some of y'all are facing such struggles and such, such intense battles right now in your life. You can't, come on, you can't afford to not spend time with God. You need it just to make it through the day. So stop letting the devil convince you that a to-do list is more important than him. And let God, let God bring value and purpose and significance to your life like never before. Say, I'll get to it. But first, first, I'm going to get with God. After all, after all, the progress you are so desiring, the progress that you want so bad, the goals you want to hit, everything you want to earn, everything you want to do for your family, all the progress you could ever dream, all the accomplishments. After all, no matter how far you take it in this life, no matter how much you do, it will always pale in comparison to what Jesus has already done for you. The progress you make, it's a blip on the radar compared to what Jesus has done for you when he stretched his arms out on the cross to die for you, to forgive your sins, to set you free, to restore you into relationship with God, what he has already done for you. It's the greatest accomplishment you'll ever receive. It's the, it's, it's the most progress you could ever imagine. And he's already done it for you. So man, let what he's done for you on the cross free you from the desire to perform and produce and just enjoy the fact that son, daughter, you are loved. You are loved. Let it set you free today. And I think that for some of you, maybe today's the day you're supposed to give your life to Jesus. You've been searching for purpose and meaning and significance in every spot you could imagine and you've come up empty and today you know it. You know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and you shouldn't spend another day apart from him. You should commit your life to Jesus today. I think for many of you, it is time for you to repent of the idolatry of 21st century American Christianity, which is busyness. And it's time for you to say, God, I give you my heart back. I give you my attention back. I give you my, my priority. God, I, I prioritize you. God, I'm sorry for letting anything else other than just being with you take priority in my life. Maybe you need to make that decision before God today. Either way, I wanna give us space to make those life-changing decisions today. So would you stand with me to your feet? If you're new with us, we do this every service here at Peak City as a way to let the word of God take root in our life and produce action. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, if you're online, you can put it in the chat with our hosts. If you're here and um, you, you would not before today have considered yourself a follower of Jesus, but you're ready to make that decision. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have, none of that. No, no, no. You just got to be ready to say yes to the unconditional love and forgiveness of Jesus that was proven to you on the cross. Just say yes to that. Say yes to starting the journey. And if that's a decision you want to make today to become a follower of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and him. One, two, three. 
beautiful. It's beautiful. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for life change. God, we pray for everyone who has made that decision today, Jesus, that you would solidify that decision in their hearts, that you give them the courage to keep following you, the courage to keep saying yes to you. God, we we pray against the attacks of the enemy on their soul, God. We know that they have just won an incredible victory right now by saying yes to you, but, but the journey's just now starting. So we pray for them in that decision. God, we know all of heaven is rejoicing and celebrating. And so God, we pray that everyone who made that decision right now would feel your voice, would hear your voice saying, well done, son, well done, daughter. You have done the right thing. Help them to feel it and see it right now with every head bowed and every eye closed still. If you're following Jesus, but you know you have, you have let the devil convince you to go progress first, present, second, and it's time for you to repent of your busyness and to say, Jesus, I'm committing to reprioritizing you in my life. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to sit at your feet. I want nothing to be more important than you, Jesus. If that's the commitment you want to make today, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Hands up all across the room right now. Beautiful. Let's pray together and ask God to do it. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to grow a church that is not consumed with progress, but consumed with your presence. God, I pray for everyone right now who has their hand raised, that you would give them everything they need to stand up to the devil and say, busyness, I'll get to it. But first, I'm gonna get with God. And God, would you meet us in that place? Would you fill us with hope, fill us with purpose, fill us with love, do what only you can do. We ask you to do it. We trust that you'll do it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together by saying, amen, amen. Let's celebrate. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.